I'd say the one main drawback of this lifestyle is trying to create community in each new place. Because every time I leave, after spending a month, I've kind of started to set some roots. I just start to feel really comfortable, meet some people, and then I have to pull out those roots and off I go someplace else. This is Debbie and welcome to another episode of The Offbeat Life, where I speak to inspiring individuals who ditched the norm to become location independent. We'll learn how to create sustainable laptop lifestyles from the experts that will help us achieve freedom from our nine to five. On this week's episode, I speak with Susan Moore, who is a remote bookkeeper and travel blogger behind Solo Trips and Tips. Susan spent seven months traveling around Southeast Asia back in the 90s. Returning to Canada, she found a job working on rotation in Siberia, Russia. She later moved to Austin, Texas, where she started a bookkeeping business, allowing her to work remotely. Currently, Susan is in year four of living a nomadic life, road tripping around the United States and Canada, and writing about her experiences on her travel blog, solotripsandtips.com. Listen on to find out how Susan is able to travel the world as a nomadic bookkeeper. Thank you so much for joining us for this interview. I am here with Susan. Hey, Susan, how are you? Hi, Debbie. I'm doing great. Thank you. So can you tell us a little bit more about you, Susan, and why you live an offbeat life? Oh, I live an offbeat life mainly for the freedom. Um, Many years ago, I took a backpacking trip around Southeast Asia, and I loved that freedom to roam around. However, I wasn't making any money. So... Now I've done it all again with the income and the freedom to explore and travel as well. How are you able to become a digital nomad right now and actually make this lifestyle more sustainable? Well, the main thing is the technology nowadays allowed me to run my bookkeeping business, which in Austin, Texas is where I started the business. And worked on site for each client. So I travel around to each client's office. So technology like Microsoft Desktop Connection, Dropbox, allows me to share information and log into a client's laptop or or computer and do my work from anywhere I have an internet connection. That is always a great thing because then you can actually be able to make this more sustainable like you're doing now, traveling and also bookkeeping. That's something that not a lot of people will think about when they think of becoming a digital nomad. How did you create this business that you can actually have clients even when you're on the road? Oh, yeah. Actually, I didn't think I I, I thought that bookkeeping was not an option for the nomad life and the offbeat life. When I started looking into it, though, I realized I could make it happen. I could um, work with my clients. I talked with the, the couple of the technology guys, the IT guys, for my clients to get some information from them on, you know, just making sure my, you know, I had a secure connection with them. We use VPNs, a couple of the clients. Also, there's QuickBooks, 
online version, like everything seems to be moving to the cloud these days. So, and people are more and more willing to accept that for, you know, different aspects of running their business. So when QuickBooks Online first came around, it wasn't all that popular. They've improved it and it's becoming more the norm. And there's an awful lot of other competition now in that field as well. So other programs available. You wanted to actually make this into a business because obviously you wanted to travel and you wanted to be on the road. How did you get your clients? How did you approach the different types of people that are able to make this lifestyle more suitable for you? Okay, so I had a client base already before I went with the offbeat life and roaming around. But when I initially started in Austin, I started with good old fashioned networking. I'd go to these breakfast meetings, lunch meetings, just you got to you got to put yourself out there and meet people. Also, I had my website, so people would find me through Google initially. And then things changed with QuickBooks. Uh, that's what I'm using for all my clients. And they have a program called Pro Advisor. So you sign up for this program and get certified through QuickBooks that you understand all how to use all the software. And they have a help button on every single program so when people are looking for somebody my profile would show up and they could contact me directly so it shifted from getting clients from google or online internet searches to quickbooks would be sending me referrals so that helped immensely are they still doing that right now they are although i've noticed it's changed substantially in the beginning i was getting really great referrals now They've changed the way that people can contact the accounting people, the bookkeepers. They can blast out, you know, 20 messages, you know, one message to 20 people. So whereas before they had to contact each person directly. So it was more uh, geared. They'd be more particular about who they're picking, two or three people. So... I find now it's not the quality is not as good as before. There's also a lot more competition in bookkeeping now in the 10 years, 11 years since I started. You have clients already that you have, so that's always good. But what about for somebody who wants to start this and who's just starting out? What would be the first steps that they should do in order to get into this type of career? And is there anything that you need in order to become a bookkeeper? I do not have a degree, so you need experience. You need a love of numbers, organizing and analyzing. If that's what you like doing, you're probably going to be a good bookkeeper. Because really you're organizing all the all those numbers and the information, and you're analyzing it and making sure it all makes sense. So they need bookkeeping experience or at least a love of numbers and then start taking courses in bookkeeping. And... You need, starting out, you need your website, and you need to go after, I would say, go after a certain niche uh, market. For me, I was I was started getting a lot of legal, boutique legal firms, law firms, and that became my, you know, one area of expertise. So they, and they'd start referring their other clients. And that's the other thing that people can do is once you start getting a client, start getting a few clients, ask them 
you know, tell them that, hey, you're my ideal client. Who could you refer a few other people to me? Is there anyone else that you that you think who, in your field that would need a bookkeeper? You got to do the networking. Probably Facebook is, you know, you got to get on the social media, which I never did with my business. I didn't bother with any social media whatsoever. Everything was through my website or the QuickBooks referral program. There's so many avenues that digital nomads can go into right now that, like you said, networking is really important. And also asking for referrals is something that we underestimate because we may get shy or we may not know how to ask. But remember, the people that you've been working with and love what you're doing are the best people to actually give you that word of mouth type of referrals for other people to use your services as well. So that's a really great tip that you gave us, Susan. Yeah, absolutely. I think people shy away from that when, for one thing, it makes your client feel good because you're saying, hey, you're my ideal client. I trust you to refer somebody else. They feel good about, they want to help you out. So let's look at what your life is right now. It's so different from what it was before because you are not in just one place and you also do solo travel. Can you tell us a little bit about what your average day looks like? Ah, average day. Well, it's always changing, I guess, but I try to keep a pattern. I try to keep a schedule for my clients. I notice I like working in the mornings or else in the evening and having my you know, midday to go out and explore and do stuff. And that's one of the main things I wanted to do, you know, with switching to the nomadic life was get out and enjoy nature more, do more hiking, kayaking, canoeing, that type of thing. So usually I get up and do yoga. That's been a habit of mine for oh, over 15 years now. Start my day with yoga, cup of tea, and then get on the internet and start working a couple, three hours, and then take a break for lunch, go out and explore wherever I happen to be. I'm in Chattanooga, Tennessee right now, so there's some good hiking around here, good kayaking. And then in the evenings, I like to, you know, I, I feel compelled to try the, the local restaurants and wine bars, I, although depends on your budget you know I try to keep my my spending in line and in the evenings I'll come back and do some blogging because I have my my uh, travel blog or do more bookkeeping yeah that sounds like an ideal day because you are able to create your own schedule and you get to go out and do fun things and you're not stuck in a cubicle. If you were a typical bookkeeper that's just set in one setting, you would definitely be in an office. (laughs) Yeah. And I would not be getting the window office like I always do now. (laughs) I'm sure you have gone through a lot since you have become a digital nomad. Has there been a big setback that you have encountered in this lifestyle and how did you handle it? Okay, so last year I had a major setback because I had one of my top clients, actually three clients altogether, but one of them was over 25% of my income, which is a bit of a mistake letting a client, one client be so much of your income. 
three of them left for cheaper options. I'm finding clients are really shopping around now. These are clients that I had for seven, eight years. So, and it makes sense for them to look for, uh, you know, cheaper option. So that took a huge chunk of my income away. And well, how I handled it is I decided to enjoy spending more time outdoors. It was springtime and I was headed up to Yellowstone and Glacier National Parks, then up to Calgary for the summer to help out my dad and visit family. So I've kind of shifted actually in the last few months. I've shifted more and more into my blogging. I decided to get more into the travel blogging side of things. And I'm still making an average income, what you know, 50 to 60 grand from my bookkeeping, but at way fewer hours. And I'm finding I'm, I enjoy that. I've adjusted my lifestyle, tried to reduce my expenses to make it work. That is such a great attitude to have when you are facing these different setbacks because if you just start wallowing and having all of these self-pities, you won't realize that it actually gives you other things in life that you can do and appreciate aside from just working. Now you're able to enjoy your life and also start travel blogging, which makes a lot of sense, especially since you travel so much. I mean, and you also like to write. So it's a good combination of both to have. Yeah, I love the writing and I'm really getting back into it. So now I'm spending probably 80% of my time on the blogging, 20% on the bookkeeping, but I make more than 80% of my income from the bookkeeping. So it's interesting. We'll see if I can increase the passive income on the uh, travel blogging side of things in the next year or so. That's the main goal for now. You have these amazing goals for yourself. So that's always great to have, especially when you are a freelancer and you're an entrepreneur and you are definitely the only person who's in charge of everything that's coming into your pocket. Right. Yeah. You've got to keep the goals and, you know, reach, reach big, you know, think big. Don't sell yourself short. And we're also going to be talking about how to budget while you're on the road for our extended interview. So I'm really excited to talk more about that with you, Susan. Now let's fast forward to 30 years from now and you're looking back at your life. What legacy would you like to leave and what do you want to be remembered for? Hmm, I guess Susan lived life to the fullest, took chances, and went on adventures. <laughs> That's enough for me. And I'll have a I'll have an awful lot of good friends and I, I love you know meeting so many different people along the way during my travels. I got so many great memories. Since you've been traveling the last few years, have you had any surprising moments since you have become a digital nomad that you didn't think you were going to be able to do or experience before? Uh, yeah, you know, I took piano lessons in Lafayette, Louisiana. I never would have dreamed of doing that. <laughs> so I wound up having these two incredible roommates that I found through Airbnb and both of them musicians. One of them happened to be a piano teacher. So I thought, hey, why not? I'll take piano lessons. <laughs> so that was fun. That was interesting. 
that's always good to have when you are given this opportunity that you didn't have before. So I'm so happy that you're able to do that and maybe learn something. <laughs> I'm sure you're always continuously learning something. Oh, yeah. Continuous improvement is one of my main, you know, beliefs through in life. You just, I'm a lifelong learner, lifelong student. Do you use any specific tools to help you become more productive in your lifestyle? Okay, so the tools I'm using mainly are Microsoft Remote Desktop Connection, so I can connect with clients directly onto their computer. Uh, you got to have a good security and spam program. Uh, like there's McAfee or Kaspersky for a couple of ones that come to mind. Uh, an external hard drive so I can back up my whole laptop uh, as well as flash drives. And then I also save on, uh, on the cloud as well. Like you got to have multiple backups because... People who just rely on external hard drive, that's a mistake because those those drives can just crash and you're left with nothing. Especially when you are working on the road and you need all of these different types of backups and you have all of these different types of clients. And if that crashes and you don't have anything, oh my goodness, that's going to be a nightmare to deal with. Absolutely. Yeah. If I have no internet, I'm done, which I found out actually that my one of my first stops on this nomad adventure, the Airbnb I stayed at said they had a internet, high speed internet, but it didn't work properly. So I wound up going to the university, the Sol Ross University in Alpine, Texas, and I used their internet. So you always got to have a backup. You have to have some plan. That's really surprising because you are still in the United States. You would think that internet would be available everywhere, but obviously it's not. Yeah, it was news to me. And also I had um, I, I had a uh, hotspot, which for some reason wasn't working correctly. So... I guess I was in I was in the hot spot in the land of no internet for T-Mobile somehow. <laughs> there are pockets of the United States where there's just no access. Bizarre. I'm sure you get a lot of questions about your lifestyle right now cuz you could be anywhere and you can work from anywhere. So that is a really interesting and exciting thing for most people to hear about. Yeah, I mean, people, a lot of people I meet on, on the road, they'll say, ah, oh, you're living the dream. But, you know, there's pros and cons to everything. There's other people I meet say, oh, man, I need a home base. I could not stand, you know, moving all the time. But I've got it down to an art form, you know, pack everything I own fits into my car. So it's easy to move around. And for somebody who is able to travel in a minimalistic way, that's the perfect setup. And you don't have to bring all of these different types of furniture and luggage. So it's always good. You're always ready to go. <laughs> yeah, you, you got to cut down on the wardrobe and the shoes, though. That's, you know, you're limited in what you get to. But every place you go, it's, they haven't seen you before. So it's all new. <laughs> That's a good way of looking at it there, Susan. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, the one main, I'd say the one main drawback of this lifestyle is trying to create community in each new place. Because every time I leave, after spending a month, I've kind of started to set some roots. I just start to feel really comfortable, meet some people, and then I have to pull out those roots and off I go someplace else. So it's bittersweet. I'm, I'm excited to go to the new place, but I'm sad to leave, you know, my newfound friends and, and, and the love of the most recent place I've stayed in. How do you find a community when you are going into a new place and make friendships every time you go into a new location? Ah, uh, yeah, that is the struggle. And one thing I've changed in the last year or so in order to help create community is oftentimes I'll stay at shared Airbnb. So then I automatically know some people, know somebody. Plus, they can be your, your local travel guide and tell you about all the local stuff. Um, another thing is I stay in smaller towns because people are, you know, people are more willing to talk and, and, and talk to strangers or have a, you know, have a conversation with you while you're in the grocery store lineup versus a big city where everyone's focused on their own thing. So it seems. It's definitely a lot harder to be able to connect with people when you are in a large city rather than a small one. You're so right there, Susan. That's a great tip to do if you want to be a digital nomad and you want to feel like you are in an actual community rather than just a stranger in a new place, which some people would like that too, actually. <laughs> Yeah, they're, they're both sides of it are enjoyable, like to be unknown you, and just do whatever you want. The small towns, like, you know, whatever you do, people know what's going on and, and if they're small enough, you know. But in the bigger cities, you can do meetups and that sort of thing. There's there's always seems to be stuff going on, like, say, Couchsurfing has meetups or meetup.com there's all sorts of different groups say for hiking or whatnot or you can sign up for a class like do a cooking class or do you know go to yoga you'll meet people that way what are you currently working on that's really exciting to you the main thing now is the blogging, the travel blog. I'm excited because the traffic, you know, it's starting to get a lot more people coming to, to look at the blog, to read. And I realize I have so much to write about. There's so many places I've been to that um, I can really see that as a viable way of earning an income as well. That's really exciting, Susan, and I'm sure it's going to keep getting more and more traffic to it as you keep going in your blog. I hope so. <laughs> so if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Uh, at solotripsandtips.com for the travel blog and as well on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at solotrips. And the bookkeeping business is more balanced books. That's M-O-O-R-E, Balance Books. So kind of play on words with my last name, more. Thank you so much, Susan, for joining us today. I really appreciate it. Thank you, Debbie. I enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed this interview with Susan. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the extended interview with Susan where she shares how to budget and save while you're on the road.
Offbeat family. I really appreciate you listening to this episode. I would love to hear more from you and what you think of the podcast. Suggestions on guests, topics we can discuss, or maybe you just want to be friends. Why don't we chat some more on Facebook at The OB Life or send me a message at hello at theoffbeatlife.com. I can't wait to hear from you.